Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Welcome to the Kent Online Podcast on Thursday, July the 9th. Well, we start today with news of more job losses in Kent as the economic impact of the pandemic continues to take its toll. Folkestone-based holiday and insurance firm Saga have announced they're cutting around 300 positions as a result of the impact of COVID-19 on the business. They're one of the county's biggest employers and suspended cruise operations in March, forcing them to refund £44 million to customers. Joe James is the chief executive of the Kent Invicta Chamber of Commerce. Well, I think any redundancies on the scale that have been announced today is certainly not good news for you know, both those involved and you know the county's economy as a whole, but uh, not particularly surprising when you look at the state of the economy due to COVID, and particularly not surprising when you look at Saga. Um, you know, this sector has been particularly hit hard by the impact of the virus, um, with the leisure side of their business literally being switched off overnight. Um, and I think, sadly, um, it's not going to be the only round of redundancies that we're going to be hearing about. Um, we don't have that many large businesses within our county, uh, but I think we will still hear more and uh, some redundancies from our smaller businesses as well. You know, the, the, there's no getting away from the impact that the virus has had on our economy. Um, and we know leisure and tourism has been particularly hard hit. And the government made the announcement with the furlough scheme um, in the bid to try and stop redundancies. You know, that's what it was all about because it could see the mass scale impact that it was going to have. And that comes to an end in October. And I just fear that the government really, uh, we've just pushed it further down the line. When the furlough scheme comes to an end uh, at the end of October, um, I think we will see you know, a lot more redundancies happening right, at, right across Kent and Medway. And I know yesterday uh, they announced the £1,000 sort of incentive um, if uh, businesses brought people back from furlough to the 31st of January. But I don't think that too is going to have the desired impact uh, that they were looking for. I think those that intended to bring their staff back will find the £1,000 very welcome. But I don't think those that were thinking of making people redundant, it will actually save jobs. Elsewhere, it's feared today there could be serious implications for Kent's economy if jobs are lost at Eurostar. Rail Union, the RMT, says the operator of the high-speed service are looking to make 20% in cuts in order to ease financial pressures caused by the pandemic. In the retail sector, John Lewis has confirmed it's going to permanently close eight stores, putting 1,300 jobs at risk. The retailer says the outlets were already financially challenged before customers began to switch to online shopping during the pandemic. However, some good news, stores in Ashford, Tunbridge Wells and Bluewater will stay open. Finally, Greggs have announced they're closing one Kent branch for good. Some of their outlets in Chatham, Gillingham, Gravesend and Dartford reopened last month with a takeaway service and reduced menu, but the one in Strood will stay shut. Kent Online News. 
We move on to potentially some very good news for jobs as the future of Kent's Manston Airport looks a bit more certain today. What's known as a development consent order has been approved, paving the way for the site to be used as a cargo freight hub. It's hoped it'll eventually create hundreds of jobs. Thanet MP Sir Roger Gale has been reacting to the announcement. This is very good news indeed for Kent and very good news for the country. We're in the middle of a pandemic and an economic crisis. So to have £300 million worth of investment promised for East Kent, an area of high deprivation, is very, very good news indeed. County and the country are going to benefit enormously. We are, as we come out of Brexit and of the pandemic, we're going to need more freight capacity, air freight capacity. Manson is destined to be the most ecologically friendly freight airport in the world when it opens again. Um, it's, it's going to create hundreds and eventually thousands of jobs. It's something we've been working for, those who've supported this airfield through thick and thin, and most particularly River Oak. We've been supporting it for a very long time. So I'm delighted that the minister has made this announcement today. It's the right decision at the right time. At the moment, uh, Helsinki is the most eco-friendly airport in the world. River Oak's desire and intention is to create a net zero carbon airport. And looking downstream, of course, as we move into the era of electric aircraft, which we will, I think we can produce something world beating at Manston, both for freight and for passengers. It's apparently going to cost half a million pounds to repair damage to an Ashford pub after a 4 by 4 crashed through the front of the building. A Land Rover left a huge hole in the wall at the Swan Inn in Little Chart just hours before it was due to reopen last Saturday. Three 17-year-old boys were injured in the crash. One was arrested on suspicion of drink driving. A man's been charged after cigarettes were stolen during a raid at a petrol station in Herne Bay. Staff were threatened at the SO in Kings Road on Tuesday, a 29-year-old's appearing court. The opening date's been revealed for a new £20 million secondary school in Canterbury. Work's underway to demolish the former Chaucer Technology School in Spring Lane. The state-of-the-art Barton Manor should start lessons in September 2022. Meantime, a Maidstone school says it needs to raise £25,000 to extend cramped classrooms so all pupils can return by September. Wateringbury Primary has been planning the renovations since before the pandemic, but it's now become more urgent to keep children safe. Now, earlier in the week, we heard how Kent's theatres were trying to stay optimistic about staging pantomimes this Christmas. Well, I've been chatting to the man who produces some of the biggest pantos across the country, including at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury. And I started by asking Paul Hendy what he thought about the money given to the entertainment industry by the government. I think the package 1.5 billion from the government is incredible. I think a lot of people were very surprised by it. I think uh, people didn't expect a conservative government to give that sort of money to the arts. So it's wonderful. It shows just how important the arts are to to the country. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that money is divvied up. Um, let's see who gets what. But yes, on the face of it, I think it's very impressive. 
So, Paul, despite that money, it's still not clear when theatres and other venues are going to be able to reopen. So just remind us how many pantomimes you're due to produce this year and what's the current situation as far as you're concerned? We're due to be producing 10 pantomimes this year, two of them in Kent, in Canterbury and in Tunbridge Wells. At the moment, the truth is we just don't know what's happening. Uh, It's wonderful that the government have promised all this money uh, to the arts, but without theatres actually being allowed to open, we haven't got anywhere to ply our trade to actually put the shows on. So we just don't know. Um, The truth is that uh, theatre doesn't work with any sort of social distancing in place. So, I mean, I'm, I'm naturally optimistic and very positive, but the truth is we just don't know whether pantomimes are going to happen or not. I think I think we will know within the next month or so. I think I think we we everybody in the industry realizes that it, it takes a lot of work and a lot of time to put the shows on. So hopefully by August we will have some sort of steer of as to whether the pantomimes are happening. So fingers crossed that they do. Okay, so during your normal year then, what would you be doing kind of at this time right now? And what are you able to do at the moment? Is literally everything on hold? Yes, everything is just on hold at the moment. We put a pin in everything. Um, Normally, I'd be writing the scripts, uh, casting the shows. We'd be doing the marketing of the shows, uh, press launches, taking photographs, that sort of thing. Not only that, the sets and costumes would be being made at this time. It's it's quite a big machine, actually. Normally, um, the, the production of a pantomime would take about 13 months. It's a sort of 13 to 14 month process. So, um, yeah, to suddenly have to do something in three or four months would be very, very tricky, um, that, which is why I think we've got to have, you know, a decision uh, about pantomime by by August, really. Um, it's tricky. It's very tricky. Panto is such a huge industry and it involves so many people. What would be the implications if the season couldn't happen this year? I think it will be a disaster if pantomime doesn't happen this Christmas, not just for people who work in the pantomime industry, the the producers and writers and directors and actors, but also for the theatres themselves, because pantomime is a lifeblood for a lot of theatres. A lot of theatres in the country, uh, pantomime provides something like 30% of the annual income. So if you think pantomime sometimes is only on for three or four weeks, to bring in 30% of the annual income for a theatre is uh, it's vital. Um, and so if it doesn't happen, I really do think it will be a disaster. And I, I don't say that lightly. Um, I think for, for the people at home as well, for for the audiences, I mean, you know, it's it's so important to people's Christmases. And if it doesn't happen, I think I think a lot of people will be very, very upset. So, as I say, I'm trying to be positive um, and I've got my fingers crossed. As you say, going to see a panto is something that loads of families, including my own, look forward to doing. It would be an awful shame if that wasn't to happen. Could there be another way of getting our panto fixed this year, do you think? Maybe filming a production, for example? People have said to me, could you do a streamed pantomime? Could you film it and then then stream it on the internet and maybe people pay to watch it? Or could you do a drive-in pantomime? Well, the answer is, well, yes, you could do these things. But... The truth is, 
I think pantomime, you have to be there. You have to be in the room. It's all about interaction. It's all about being there at that moment, as as with most live theatre. So I think it'll be a real shame if that happens. Would it be as good as a drive-in or as a stream show? Well, the truth is, no, it wouldn't. Um, so, I mean, there are options. We've looked at options of uh, sort of a reduced pantomime, maybe, you know, a smaller cast, so you don't have to worry about social distancing of the cast. You know, you don't have to worry about having as many stage crew and dressers and that sort of thing. So you could do it as a reduced pantomime. Um, we're, we're looking at lots of options at the moment. But, uh, you know, I think I think the, the number one option is, is trying to get the show back on the road and sh- trying to have pantomime as we all know it and love it. And just while you do wait to um, find out what is going to happen at Christmas, if I could just ask you about how lockdown's been for you, because whenever I see you, you're incredibly busy dashing around the country. How have the past few months been? Yes, uh, lockdown has been interesting, to say the least. It was it was nice to have a little bit of time off uh, when you run a business, uh, especially a business like ours in, in the entertainment industry, you're always rushing around. So to be able to stop and take stock for a while was actually quite nice. Um, I'm quite a creative sort, so it, it, it was good to do a little bit of writing. We've, we've got three young children, I say young, eight, ten and, and fourteen, so we were homeschooling like a lot of people, um, <laughs> which was interesting. Uh, whoever thought you'd use improper fractions again? I haven't used an improper fraction since I was 17, so to suddenly have to try and remember how to do an improper fraction was uh, was quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was an interesting uh, few months, but I think like most people, we just want to get back to it now. And, and sadly, our industry is one of the one of the last to go back, um, which which is a shame, really. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that sort of not knowing, which is the which is the difficult thing. And finally, some sport today. It's hoped the future of a football league that allows people of all abilities to compete in tournaments in Kent has been secured. The Kent Disability Football League has been awarded charitable status. They currently don't get any funding, but will now be able to apply for grants and get gift aid on donations they receive. Brian Gray is the chairman. All the people that come along to play, they they don't necessarily get to play football any other where any other place um i mean when you see them on the pitch they're always smiling they're always happy they come off the pitch whether they win lose or draw they come and shake your hand they say thank you very much we very we enjoy what we do here um and a lot of the parents have said it's brought the the players out of themselves they they get to interact with people they wouldn't normally interact with so their social skills are being built on while they're attending the tournaments. I mean, we've got eight-year-olds and we've got, I think it's a 64-year-old playing. We hold an, a separate adult and a separate junior tournament. We normally hold, hold eight tournaments a season for each. Um, and on them days, they play between four and six games each. Um, so they're getting as much football as we can possibly provide them. Obviously, it's going to open up funding streams that are only available to charities. Um, it's going to enable us to apply for gift aid on any donations, which will be a massive boost for the league, um, because obviously we're, we're not funded 
in any way. So we have to raise all the funds for the league ourselves. And it's it's all at the end of the day, it's all about providing exercise and football for the people that would otherwise be stuck indoors playing on their computer games, etc. That's it for today, but you can also now subscribe to the IM News app to access all KM Group newspapers. Just head to iliftmediasubs.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. 